I'm someone who has the ability to fabricate stress out of thin air, like a superpower. Thin air. I'm a stress bender. Huh. I'm the last of my kind. <laughs> Steven, who do we have with us today? Today on the Cult Podcast, we have my sister. Esteemed guest. Series Irregular. Series Irregular. <laughs> Pretty good description. Kristen Burnett. And also extreme, can I say extreme Sufjan fan? Extreme Sufjan fan. I got my PhD in Sufjan. Yeah. <gasps> Actually, Sufjan? Not, yeah, not as much as some of my friends. I feel like I'm the least of my friends to be here today, but I have been listening to Sufjan since high school, thinking about his art for a very long time. And I'm honored to be here because St. Sufjan is one of my favorite humans on the planet. So if you haven't already read the description of the episode or because we haven't said it yet, we're doing a Sufjan Stevens album today called The Ascension. Um, I just wanted to quickly shout out a few albums we were considering also doing on the podcast from this year in case anyone out there wants to check them out. Tame Impala, The Slow Rush. It's a good album. Personally, I think Gabe and I really liked The Weeknd's album, After Hours. So good. I would recommend it a lot. I bet everyone's already listened to that album. <laughs> and then I really liked the Killers album, which was a surprise because I haven't liked a Killers album for maybe 10 years, but it's called Imploding the Mirage. It's very classic Killers, like Sam's Town, which I really loved. And then the new Fleet Foxes album was good. Beautiful. Kristen likes it. It's called Shore. There's a lot of people that love that album and love the Fleet Foxes. I also wanted to say really quick, the reason why we haven't gone into an album extensively like we have since the Bombay Bicycle Club album or the Coldplay album is because Gabe and I haven't really been super excited about an album this year, but we definitely are still listening to music and keeping our ear to the ground, waiting for something to kind of hit us for us to even want to spend the time and effort that it takes to make these podcasts about an album. So, but we're still doing these shorter sort of quick review episodes of these albums so that you can at least hear that we're still enjoying music and we hope that you enjoy this music as well. Why did you call him Saint Sufjan? Well, okay, so I think that a lot of us who have been Sufjan fans for a really long time sort of treat him as if he were the saint of, I would say... Music. Not music, (laughs) but like indie folk plus a Christian indie folk artist that does different things than anybody else is doing right now. He's probably one of the only musicians that I can say legitimately in our time is unique and is doing something like he's a a way maker, a paver, paver, a way paver, a paver of ways, a paver of ways. He set the path for so many people that are trying to break trends while still drawing upon, of course, influences. I'm sure that he has, but he does something different than anyone else. Would you call him a Christian artist? He's an artist that's a Christian. Does he identify as a Christian artist? He does? Not as a Christian artist, but he's an artist that's a Christian. Doesn't he also identify as gay? I don't know if he's actually come out. Have you guys found anything on that? I think there's so much Sufjan folklore that there's obvious speculation into the realm of, is this song about God or is it about being gay? (laughs) Really? I was reading a little bit on this album and people were saying that he seems like he's speaking about being gay. Well, in every album since Come On Feel the Illinois, he's been sounding like he was talking about that and in that album he has a song called the predatory wasp of the palisades is out to get us and it references some times where maybe he was in love with his best friend 
<laughs> little Dumbledore action. And then there's another thing on, what is it? The Planetarium album has a couple comments about show me yours and I'll show you mine at like summer camp. The type oh, of wow. like references nose. to maybe being a young man exploring his body with other young men, even if it wasn't sexual at that time. It, there's a lot that people have said about Sufjan possibly being part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Is he generally very private about his... I think he likes to keep this like shroud of mystery just as a artist, as a person. He talked a little bit about this album. I have some quotations from him. He does talk about his art, but it is kind of minimal. And I would say with the more that he's grown up in his actual age, but also his life as an artist, he does talk more about his work. Whereas before, he would keep things pretty elusive. But I have a friend who actually met him. At summer camp? Um, not at summer camp, but she was doing this video that he never released because it was far too sexual. Classic. Uh, Sisyphus. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the completely different project. Right. So my friend was trying to do this music video that he never actually released. And then she ended up meeting him and somebody asked him there if he was gay. And he replied, I am not God. Which is such a typical Sufjan response. That makes sense. So he doesn't come out. I don't know if he's officially come out, but he's definitely pro-LGBTQIA. If you look at his Sufjan.com or his Tumblr or what he released for Pride, that song Love Yourself. Oh, yeah. And he also did the music for Call Me By Your Name, which is a beautiful film. He also uses notably rainbow or very colorful color palettes on his album artwork. He's always been dressing up in wings, again, since Come On, Feel the Illinois. How old is he now? He grew up in Michigan. One of his first longer albums on his experience as a kid in Michigan. Greetings. Greetings from Michigan is what it's called. The Great Lakes State. That was his first album? No. No. Yeah, how long has he <laughs> He's been making music forever, man. So let's just clear the air. I know not as much about Sufjan. I'm the inquisiting mind here. Do it. Um, Inquisit. So I was going to ask how old he was and how long he'd been making music. It'd been, been about 20 years. 70, probably 40, 40. Around 48 is my guess, but we can look it up. 50. Really? Maybe it's just the he nature of his music, young. but he feels like a young soul. He feels and looks young. He's very young looking. He's 45. 45. 45 and thriving. Looking good, Sufjan. One of his first albums that I love is Seven Swans, which is based on some Old Testament and New Testament stories from the Bible. He's got a song on there about the transfiguration. He's got a song about Abraham. He's got just multiple things. And when I really started being a Sufjan fan, it was that album that made me love him more. Come On, Feel the Illinois was less accessible, but then once I realized what he was doing, I was like, this guy's a genius. He literally shut himself up in a library for a week, studied about, or maybe more, I don't know if it's a week, but studied about the history of Illinois, and then wrote this whole entire album about both his personal experiences there and the historical things that happened there, including, you know, John Wayne Gacy and the murders, um, aliens. Superman. Superman, but also there's the, what, Frank Lloyd Wright, and he references multiple people from history in that album. And then his goal was to do a 50 States project where he made an album for every one of the 50 states and then realized Jeez. it was way too ambitious. ambitious. I thought that he said that as a joke. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do all 50. And then they're... I think it must have been an early ambition of his because well, he already did Michigan. He did Illinois. But 
I think he wanted to do other things of the sort. But then you get him moving on to Age of Odds, which is based on this artist that went crazy in, I think, the 60s. And that album is, again, his own personal experiences through the lens of this guy's life. He was going through a depression at that time, right? It sure sounds like it from his song, my favorite song on that album, I Want to Be Well. Right. Which if you're ever experiencing anxiety and depression, I recommend that song to you. It's really cathartic. And then he's also written six or seven Christmas albums. My favorite Christmas (laughs) musician that exists on the planet. I mean, like, it's crazy how many Christmas songs he... And they're just as good as his normal music, which is amazing. He's a kindred spirit to me because I love Christmas as well. Are they covers or original songs? Both. Both covers and originals, and the originals are just as good as his normal music. In fact, some of them are better, in my opinion. It's like my favorite, some of my favorite stuff are on those Christmas albums. Hmm. I wait till November every year to (laughs) listen to them because they're so special to me. He is just one of the most prolific and unique artists of our time. Mm -hmm. And then need we talk talk about Carrie and Lowell, which changed everybody's life. And even if you're not a Sufjan fan, you will love Carrie and Lowell because it is so accessible. It is accessible. It's probably his, besides maybe Seven Swans, his most accessible album. For anyone that doesn't know Sufjan or is not really a big Sufjan fan, he can be very off-putting in his sound choices and some of the instrumentation that he chooses and how they produce his albums and mix them and very much just based on the sounds that they use. And he can come off as also very repetitive. And Kristen was just talking about Age of Odds and how... That was 2010, Age of Odds? Yeah. And and everyone was off-put. Everyone. A lot of people didn't like it. That hit me at a time in my life when I was not depressed at all. I was very interested, though, in forcing myself to be interested in things that I (laughs) otherwise wouldn't have been interested in. So I spent a lot of time with that album, and then I gave it to you via compact disc. What's a compact disc? (laughs) And never saw it again. Are you being serious? No. Okay. Age of Odds was probably his most jarring. If you even went back and listened to it, you might hate it just because it doesn't even sound like songs. It more sounds like a very disorganized soundscape and it's super jarring. It's just weird. And like Kristen said, he was depressed when he wrote it. And he was really influenced by this really strange artist that did a lot of apocalyptic art. Painting? Yeah, he was, he was, um, I think the artist was maybe schizophrenic and made all of these images of aliens invading the earth Mm -hmm. or, but it's not Sufjan's normal alien music because he does have a lot of references to aliens in his music. And space. Um, And he loves space. Yeah. But it's it's a lot darker in the sense that it's exploring some darker emotions. When I hear it, I think it's emotionally dark. But then my friend Sabina was explaining to me how it was actually lighter to listen to for her than Carrie and Lowell was. Yeah, because the topics and the themes in the album lyrically are very heavy. Yeah, but for me, Carrie and Lowell was his Ascension album. Not to reference the name of this (laughs) album, but for me, Carrie and Lowell was the... Philosophically. Yeah, the like spiritual ascension to Age of Odds because 
it's got so much beauty and resurrection. He also released it during Holy Week. And the, the, the instrumentation and music behind it is very beautiful. And I don't think there's any drums in it. It's mainly just acoustic and a little bit electronic stuff here and there, pads and such. And for those of you that don't know, Holy Week is the week before Easter. He got really into Christmas for like three years and then came back and wrote <laughs> Carrie the Well, even some of his Christmas music is pretty dark and yeah. some of it's actually a commentary on our culture and consumerism and mm-hmm. how, like how we process that during Christmas time, which is awesome and interesting. But and after Age of Odds, he wrote a bunch of Christmas stuff. And then in 2015, so five years later, he wrote Carrie and Lowell, which is the most accessible album. With Carrie and Lowell, what I've heard is that in the process of writing that, his producer was the one that told him to keep it stripped down. He actually wanted to add a uh. bunch of stuff on top of it because Sufjan loves that type of production. And mm-hmm. his producer or somebody told him no keep it the way that it is you would ruin it if you added anything on top that was the first one i think that i listened to i think i'd heard before that album maybe one or two tracks incidentally from sufjan and carrying lull was the first time i really started getting into the guy because you said that's one of his more accessible albums and I, that's just how i started listening to it probably yeah. his most accessible album even our brother you know tim who we've had on the podcast before he is not a huge sufjan fan but he loves that album he went to see him in concert for that album he told me he wanted to call me during our podcast to interrupt the flow of sufjan love because <laughs> with critiques he does love carrie and lowell but he feels like all the other sufjan albums are not great but he's probably the reason i know about sufjan in the first place yeah he's a very gifted songwriter and composer timothy or sufjan sufjan but also Tim. But yeah. also Tim. <laughs> so anyway, after Carrie and Lowell, he did three or four kind of different projects. The most notable one for me was called Planetarium. So and he wrote a song for each planet. Mythological planets. Well, the mythological gods align with the planets. Right. But I think that we've changed some of the planets now with science and stuff i think he focused on the mythology behind the planets so the Mm. classical planets rather than everything that we have yeah he also did stuff that was a little bit science fiction in between the actual songs you get stuff like a song called black hole or kuiper belt and just to be fair that was a project with his friend james McAllister and one other person bryce desner Yep. Who is part of the National, right? Which is how I know Bryce. And Nico. Nico Muli. Muli? Muli? I saw that in concert. So did Steven. It was. We were how in was the that? cemetery. Delicious. At, in LA. It was amazing. Was there a lot of visual aid for that? Yish. In concert? There was. And Sufjan told this story about how. Um, he found some sort of book in his parents' house and basically talking about how we're made of dust and we are star people. Really? Basically. I'd like a copy. <laughs> you are a copy. Hey. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so then he did a couple other things. One was Aporia, which was a collab with his stepdad, Lowell. He was mentioned on the Carrie and Lowell in the title. And then he did another instrumental album called Decalogue, which uh, I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> just saying. It's just, it's piano, right? Yeah. And that was also a collab cool. with a fella named Timo Andres. Also, Sufjan loves ballet, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Decalogue was used for some sort of ballet. And in fact, I think it might have been. But then it brings us to 2020, the year of the pandemic, and he released actually the Aporia album this year in 2020, then just released three, four weeks ago-ish, 
another self-titled album called The Ascension, and that's what we're talking about today. This album sounds very similar to Age of Odds, the album that he wrote a decade ago, but it's more accessible for sure, but can be hard to listen to. But you can also sort of find specific tracks or songs that are very accessible and likable. I like Landslide. Personally, I like them all, but I also am very weird and I like Age of Odds. And it's the first thing by Sufjan since Planetarium that I think I'd recommend, apart from maybe a couple singles. This album, I haven't had time to really digest, and normally once I digest a Sufjan album, I've got a lot to say. But as far as I know right now, I know that he did release a statement about this album. He said, quote, I had to do away with all my previous tropes. No stories, no characters, metaphor, and no self-mythology. Nothing (laughs) representational. I felt like the messages must be clear and coherent, almost editorial. So this album has a lot of quote-unquote cliches that Sufjan, at least through one of my friends that was talking to me about it, she was talking about how he almost feels like he has nothing really left to say, but he's using these sort of cookie-cutter statements as a way to say what he does have to say. Again, no no self-mythology, nothing that representational, but come on, Sufjan, you always do representational <laughs> things in your work. Like, we have songs always referencing either mythology or history, like Gilgamesh. And then we have a lot of commentary on this album about America. So the way that I'm viewing it right now, this is just from my cursory listen a couple of times and looking through the lyrics, is like some of his commentary on what's going on in America right now, as well as his own personal twist about what he's going through. And there is a couple things on the album that make me think that, especially with video game, I don't want to be your personal Jesus. To me, from things that I know about him, it could partially be having to do with America as well, but also having to do with himself and how people kind of do look at him as like a god. Because people who are really in love with Sufjan... Or an idol, right? Yeah. People who really love Sufjan, like really, really, really love Sufjan. So he's got like a huge cult following. Yeah, and they treat him like... God, in a way, and he's always been like pushing back against that, which I think is why he's a little bit less open about his life, except now that he's older. There's a lot of self-commentary. The one that I was listening to on the way here, The Ascension, seems really interesting because he's thinking about his death and about possibly like like he thought that he could change the world and all of these things but now he's realizing he needs to answer for himself so for me it's in typical Sufjan fashion he's both making commentaries on the America that he loved and that now is in metaphorical flames because of course Sufjan loves America I just listened to some of his past albums but also he's making a commentary on his personal experiences and what he thinks he's actually called to as a person in the world mixed with maybe some personal romances. Hmm. So that's kind of my cursory first glance of the album. It should also be noted, we sort of have been hinting at this, but we haven't explicitly said it yet, that sort of he writes themed albums. They're concept albums. So Usually. Yeah, usually. This one is less so, right? I don't know. At least that's what he says. He said that it's different than a lot of the things he's done in the sense that it's, like he said, it's more editorial. It's like not as much of a self-mythology. I guess when you listen to it as a complete work, it does feel like you're going through this 
this idea or this concept, but from like the point of view of the actual songwriting and the instruments and the arrangement of it all. So, you know, listening to it front to back, if you have an hour and 20 minutes to sit down and actually like listen to it start to finish, you will definitely go through a lot of different feelings and emotions. You'll hear the good and the bad that we're kind of describing. But one of the reasons I wanted to do an episode on Sufjan Stevens at all is because he is an artist and his stuff is fun to talk about. And you do get some bad in with the good, just like life. (laughs) And I really like that about him. And I like the fact that he takes chances and tries different things like Kristen was saying at the outset of this podcast. He's a, uh, what's it called? Uh, the same word that Kristen couldn't, uh, like a forerunner, like a a path maker. <laughs> Trailblazer? Trailblazer. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe. I also wanted to mention that he does have some music videos based on this album, and almost all of them include people of color, and I'm sure that Sufjan would not release something in 2020 after the BLM movement became popularized again that has nothing at all to do with it if that makes sense. But I haven't really thought about the implications of that, except I watched part of one of his videos. So he released one for video game that has a girl that is black. And then the one for Sugar looks like has multiple people of color. Sugar seemed to be especially politically charged, social commentary wise. Tell me more. I can't remember exactly (laughs) what the content of the lyrics were, but the music video seemed to be like, it was an African-American family that was being fed or feeding themselves all this sugar, as the title of the song would imply, as if it was a metaphor or a condensing of the way this country has sort of been treating minorities, people of color, that sort of thing. Well, and also isn't sugarcane one of the main crops that was... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, to go into the history of it, for sure, you'd find those ties. But, I mean, those themes resonate throughout the whole album. I mean, the last track is even just called America, like you said, and it's like 12 or 13 minutes long. And the Mm -hmm. lyrics in that song are even more on the nose, talking, he says something like, what have you done to my America, or something like that? Don't do to me what you did to America. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious if he's making these more pointed accusations, almost, against people in charge, maybe. I was wondering if he's speaking to God in a way, like uh, institutional Christianity, like don't do to me what you did to America. The way that we've digested like Western Christianity has turned into this Trump rally type culture (laughs) of conservatism, but it's not like maybe Sufyan's even commenting on don't do that to me, like speaking almost to his institutionalized Christian religion that he's been raised in. You know, he was raised in church and playing Christian music all the time. And he's still, I think he might be like Anglican or something like that. He's got a St. John approach to things. Hmm. Little children love one another. Be good to each other. (laughs) The album is full of, again, he can get sort of repetitive, but when it's not repetitive, he does a lot with arpeggios, which... If you don't know what that is, it's basically going up and down on a scale, oftentimes in a fast manner to create a specific sound. And it's fun. And he does it a lot. And he does it very quickly sometimes. But he does arpeggios and he has these tones and he often has waves and swellings and crazy noises that you'll hear sometimes created in a studio, probably sometimes recorded outside in the real world. It's a lot of electronic stuff, too. Yeah. Most of his stuff can be sort of haunting and meditative 
This album in particular, though, does sound like a more accessible, maybe spiritual successor to Age of Odds, and oftentimes can be too haunting or even too annoying to listen to. I've heard different reviewers say that it's not their cup of tea. So do take this album with a grain of salt, and like I said earlier, find the good with the bad. It also has a song called Death Star on it. Nice. And and as a Star Wars fan. I I can't remember what he was singing about in that song. It probably wasn't Darth Vader. (laughs) Yeah, no. no. Death star into space. Trash talk. Violate it. Vandalize what you create. It's your own damn head on that plate. Hashtag reference to John the Baptist. Oh, wow. He those, always those makes biblical lyrics? references. Uh-huh. I had most of the lyrics printed out because I was curious about them. That's awesome. Wouldn't be a true English major unless I had... <laughs> we will be annotating this after the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If you do see this as a successor, as an album to Age of Odds, one of the things that reminds me the most of Age of Odds is his song, Die Happy. Literally, the only lyric is, I want to die happy again and again and again, but reminds me of I want to be well in a way. Right. I really do see Sufjan and I want to be well, which is my favorite song off of Age of Odds, is just this like serious cry that he wants to be well he wants to die happy he doesn't want to live his life singing sad songs and he even references sad songs on this album i think in one of those songs but he really just like probably wants to move past the i don't know the youthful melancholia that he expressed in earlier albums like age of odds Mm. And so for me, looking at Carrie and Lowell was his actual ascension, but this album is also... This is the ascension. This album is like a a prayer in a lot of ways for both America and for himself. Um, And I've seen, I have a whole entire playlist on Spotify called Sufjan Prayers. That is just some of his best references to, not references, but his prayers to God. There's so much in his music and that's part of the reason i call him saint sort, sort of like a psalmist or something yeah you've got um a lamenting well one of the songs on this album is called lamentations i think he sees in tell me you love me everything's dispossessed he's talking about the desert my life could be an epitaph he's not only seeing that for his own life and what he's experienced but also for america and then how he's been trying to influence people which is why i think his title track is probably the most important that he both kind of has to influence people, but also needs to realize that he has to make a defense for himself and that he's been putting too much pressure trying to change people. It's almost like he's trying to give us this humble look into his life and how he processes these things. And he doesn't want to be like most of the Christians in America. (laughs) And so that album is almost like a confession on how he has been like one of those Christians, like trying to be a good example and change people and thinking that he's blessed and thinking that, I don't know, all those different things. When I was listening to it again on the way over here, I was like, whoa, yeah. In his typical Enneagram 4 Sufjan fashion, he like is bringing us to this ultimate authenticity. His music often reads like it's a journal entry of his life, but less like Taylor Swift journal entry and more like... (laughs) Sufjan. More like, you know, he's so unique that you don't know exactly what he's talking about and there's speculation and he also won't give you what his album ever means. In fact, he believes in a reader response view to art like that 
it's based on interpretation and what you get out of it. He's kind of a subjectivist when it comes to art, and I've read a lot of his quotations on that, like when he's in interviews and stuff like that. He wants you to take from it what you can, but to read into it like homoerotic feelings or to read into it whatever you read into it, don't try to figure out, I feel like if Sufyan was here, it's not about figuring out what he means by everything, it's about what do you take from this album for yourself, because you could spend all day speculating about what Sufyan's life is actually like and treating him as a god the way that he really doesn't want you to, or you could take from it your encouragement, what you get from it, and be blessed in whatever way you can. But he really doesn't try to put any interpretation of his art on his listeners, which I like about him. Yeah, that is very interesting. And I agree. I mean, sometimes when things are ambiguous, most of the auteur films and television shows that we talk about here, we like them because they're ambiguous, because they're open-ended. David Lynch becomes belligerent when you try to get an answer out of him about one of his films. (laughs) Yeah. Man, one time somebody asked them a question. They're like, what was this character doing? And he goes, you know, I equate it to, like, if you read a really good book and you want to find out and ask the author what was going on in the book, and then you go to research the author and you find out that he's been dead for a hundred years. And that's all he said. (laughs) That was a pretty good lynch impression. about what? Someone asked him about Twin Peaks The Return. A question oh. about what happened to a character. And all he said was that response. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an eloquent way to say, go F yourself. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Sufjan. At well, the risk of sounding like a Confucian, because you do. <laughs> it's also an encouragement to explore a little bit more than I think yeah. a lot of people do these days. Like People want everything spoon-fed to them. That's why we have a lot of brainless Netflix shows. <laughs> yep. It's just like, here's... Which is why you should all watch Dark. yeah yeah or things like dark it's a vicious cycle that because in that cycle that is consumerism and the things we desire also becoming things that are fed to us and so on and so forth like you said we like those simple answers but when you're challenged by a piece of art and it gets you thinking about it for an extended period of time i think that's when it becomes something special yeah and this album has done that for me at least oh i haven't been able to stop listening to it since it came out really (laughs) yeah or at least since you told me it came out because i don't think i knew when well, it came out it's only been out for a few weeks and yeah it's extremely good chris anything else to say about sufjan closing remarks uh, surf jam stevens he's just the best so into the christmas season we go with all of the prolific sufjan albums i definitely recommend you start listening to them once thanksgiving is over just turn them on get past the stuff you don't like and listen to the rest it's definitely worth it and gets you in the christmas spirit so much to say about sufyan but my favorite christmas song of his is ding-a-ling-a-ring-a-ling wow Check baby jesus is the king king-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling is that really how it goes <laughs> yes yep. it does actually and what's so fun is that you get this feeling with some of his christmas songs that it's like he's in a garage with like his friends recording fun christmas music they're just riffing off each other as if they were still five years old yeah and then other songs are like actually um amazing like star of wonder is probably my favorite song on the christmas albums well thanks kristen for joining us today thanks for having me wish i had more to say the dialogue will always continue if anyone out there wants to hear more from kristen about sufyan any inquiries could be directed to her instagram that we will post (laughs) and with that enjoy this preview of the ascension (laughs) 
of your sight, I have tasted of your blood.